Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. So we're launching a new path that is for those who are new or newer to People's Church, and it's about being rooted in Christ and being rooted in a local faith community. And so we've called it Rooted. And we thought because this is new, it would be healthy for all of us to go through the Rooted journey. Uh, Once we get this rolling, the plan is that we'll offer it as a class for four Sundays uh, starting on the first Sunday of each month. But because it's new, we thought it would be healthy for us all to go through Rooted. So beginning on September 18th, September 18th, we will start the four-week Rooted journey. And if it's been your desire to serve somewhere in the church, at the end of going through the four weeks, you'll be ready to be deployed to an area of service in the church. If it's been your desire to become a member of People's Church, and you've been uh, putting off going through membership class, you've been wondering when is the next membership class, if you go through all four weeks of Rooted at the end of that last, uh, that fourth Sunday, you'll be ready to become a People's Church member. So it's going to be great, and if you uh, could at very least begin praying for us that Rooted would help us build a Rooted faith community that is ultimately rooted in Christ. Some of the big life questions that not just Christians, but all people wrestle with. Questions like, what's my purpose? Why am I on this planet? Maybe you're here today and you'd say, I have skills, I have abilities, I have dreams, even God-given dreams, but when I look at what my days are filled with, you, you would sense that there is a disconnect. What your days are filled with are not that closely connected with your skills, ability, abilities, and God-given dreams. And so your prayer today, what you're longing after is, how do I bring that into, uh, how do I bring that closer? So my days are actually filled with what, I'm, what God has created me to do. Maybe you're in a life season where you actually have some runway to really go after purpose, to go after your calling. In church words, we'd say calling. And you're wondering, what is it really gonna take? What is it really gonna take to live on mission? What is it gonna take to live out my purpose? Maybe you're here today and you have been living out your purpose. You've been living out your mission, but there's been a setback. There's been a challenge. There's an injury. There's a diagnosis. There's a lost job. There's a broken relationship. There's a geographic move. It could be that it's fallen on you to be a caregiver. Maybe someone who is close to you has died. Someone who's been on the journey of mission with you as a mentor or a partner or a friend, and they're no longer there. There's a new normal and you don't like the new normal. So you're wrestling with how, how do I live on mission now? Maybe you're here today and there's been a change in season. You've gone from single to married, from no kids to with kids, to daily child raising or daily teenager raising to being an empty nester. 
And now you're working through what does this change in season do to my purpose? We're in the final two weeks of our summer series, Colossians. And Colossians is a letter that we have for us in the New Testament. It's written by Paul to the church in Colossae in the decades after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Real letter written to real people who lived in a real place at a real moment in history who had real struggles and trials just like you and me. If you have your word with you today in your notebook, I invite you to open up your notebook, get ready to put down some notes and open up your word to Colossians chapter four, Colossians chapter four. What we're going to look at today gives us great insight into what it is going to take to live out your mission, to go after your God-given purpose, your calling. And because we're real people, Many of us today, maybe even most of us, would say big or small, we're dealing with some sort of setback, we're dealing with some sort of difficulty, some sort of hardship, some sort of obstacle. Now, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but just to see if, actually, this is a room of real people. (laughs) If you'd say that you're dealing with a struggle in some area, there's some challenge or some obstacle or some hardship that you are navigating through today, Would you raise a hand with me just so I know? Okay, good. This is a room of real people. We can proceed. This message is for somebody today. That's good. You know, I think that there is a message in the Bible for how to be happy when life is perfect. We're not going to preach that message today. If you've been following Jesus for a while, you know that there is an answer to the question, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? And the short answer is followers of Christ, reconciled to our heavenly father, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. What's your purpose? Our purpose is to glorify God. And what does it mean to glorify God? To glorify God is to live acknowledging his greatness. To glorify God is to express and give honor through our worship and praise. And worship and praise, yes, this is when we sing songs together as we start our worship services on Sunday. But giving glory to God is so much more than singing songs. We worship God with the way that we work. We worship God with the way that we treat other people. We worship God with the way that we choose to live our lives. All acts of worship. And you know what? No matter who you are, God wants your life to count. God made you for your life to count. So make your life count by pursuing God, by becoming more like Christ, loving people, and using your abilities for good. No matter who you are, how old you are, your background, your job, your marital status, you can run your life through this filter. Making your life count by pursuing God, becoming more like Christ, loving people, and using your abilities for good. We all have the capacity to do this. Love people, which very simply means to put the needs of others above yourself. To use your abilities for good. And when we say good, we mean the God-given good, the good that overcomes the evil in this world, the good that is to live for what is for God and to be against what God is against, to do good that brings other people closer to Jesus and farther away from sin. Through this, we find mission, we find purpose, we find calling. Not just the purpose to serve us and our needs, but a purpose to advance the kingdom. And not because God needs us to carry out his purpose, but because he invites us to be part of the good things that he's doing on this planet. So if we are to live out our God-given purpose, our Jesus-following calling, what can we expect? What is it truly going to take? 
Well, look at what Paul writes. Colossians chapter four, verse two. Paul writes, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. In about 10 words, Paul says a whole lot about what the prayer life looks like for a person who's living on mission. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Steadfast, this means frequent, persistent, consistent. This is the opposite of only praying when there's a crisis. Watchful, your translation may say alert, aware of the world. When we consistently, persistently prayer, pray, prayer deepens our connection with the Holy Spirit. As we increase in prayer and knowing our word, knowing the Bible, God helps us to see situations the way that he sees situations. And thanksgiving. This is living with gratitude. Living with gratitude that your heavenly father loved you so much loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for you. Do you know that if all God did for us was give us salvation through Jesus Christ, it would be more than enough and more than we deserve. Yet our heavenly father loves us so much that beyond salvation, God provides, God heals, God restores brokenness. These are the qualities of the prayer of a person living on mission. Effective prayer is frequent, produces alertness to God's direction, and develops gratitude. Prayer is the human soul connecting with the heavenly father who created the soul. So let me challenge us today. Prayer is not just for some people in the church. Prayer is for everybody. So let me challenge you and me. What is your desire? What is my desire? What is our desire to spend time talking to God in prayer? Some of us, if we're honest, we felt like it's an inconvenience to pray. If you have a lot going on, a lot of momentum, a lot to get done, a lot of purpose. There are times when honestly, some of us feel like it's an inconvenience or maybe even an annoyance to stop and have a conversation with God. So just maybe Paul is speaking to the busy people of the Roman empire 2000 years ago. And he says, if you really want to accomplish all that God wants to accomplish through you, if that's your desire, then prayer cannot be sporadic and self-centered. If you, if you want to go after your God-given purpose and calling, commit or recommit to steadfast prayer that produces an alertness and is grounded in gratitude. God, you've been so good to me. I desperately don't want to miss what you have for me in my life and to make that even closer. God, I don't want to miss what you have for me this week. Now, Paul, in verse three, he has a prayer request. Paul, the greatest missionary, evangelist, church planter, author of a lot of our New Testament, what would, the, what would that man's prayer request be? Look at verse three. At the same time, Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. To live out your mission 
you will need doors to open that only God can open. And some of you, that is your life story. There are doors that have opened to you in your life and the only explanation is that God has opened that door for you. And Paul says, you need the word. What's Paul praying for? He's praying for doors to open so that he can share the word and he can speak up. As we pursue mission, there are times when God wants us to speak up. Paul doesn't say pray for doors to be open so I can share my opinions with people. (laughs) No, Paul says pray that doors would be open so that the word that I put into my life, the scripture that I put into my mind and my soul, pray that doors will be open so that the word that is in me can spill out into others who do not yet know the peace of Jesus Christ. And then Paul drops in. Oh, by the way, I'm writing this from prison. Some of you are are walking through what feels like a setback in your calling. Like we've already said, there's been a diagnosis. There's been a broken relationship. There's been a responsibility that's been thrust upon you that you did not see coming. There's been a death or a separation. If you have gone through or are going through a setback or hardship that feels like it's become an obstacle to your God-given mission, then praise the Lord, you have something in common with the Apostle Paul. Because tradition tells us that Paul wrote to the Colossians from the prison in Rome. There's a place in Rome that you can visit called the Mamertine Prison. This is said to be the, the place where Paul and Peter were imprisoned in Rome. There's not a great deal of evidence either for or against whether this is actually the place. What we do know about a cell like this is that inmates would be lowered into the cell through a round hole in the floor. Historical documents describe the prison as dank, torturous dungeons. (laughs) Whether this is the actual place or not, what we do know is that Paul was in prison. And what we see in the life of Paul and what you have may have experienced in your own life, hardship is often a compass, not an obstacle. Hardship is often a compass, not an obstacle. It may have appeared like the mission was over. Paul is in prison. Paul had more frequent flyer miles than any person in the Roman Empire. And now he's in prison. He can't travel anymore. Paul is in prison, so he cannot preach to the crowds like he once preached to the crowds. Paul cannot travel from community to community to plant new churches. Paul cannot train leaders in discipleship environments like he once trained them. I'm in prison. Looks like it's all done. But what happened in prison? From prison, Paul wrote Colossians. From prison, Paul wrote Philippians. From prison, Paul wrote Ephesians. From prison, Paul wrote Philemon. We know these as the prison epistles. Much of the rich theology, hope, and direction that we have in the Bible today comes from the time when Paul was in prison. So is it too much of a reach to think that if Paul had never been in prison, we might not have these books in our Bible, these letters? What we see as an obstacle, God may be using as a compass to redirect and to reshape the mission that we have from God. It is said that there are stages to prolonged suffering 
or long-term hardship that are predictable when we're in these scenarios. And maybe what you're going through today, you would describe as a form of prolonged suffering, a long-term hardship, a new normal that you didn't see coming. And so these are phases that are predictable. The first is denial. Deny the reality and hope that it's all gonna go away. Shock and confusion is often part of this first step. The second step, second phase is pleading, bargaining in desperation, looking for anywhere, anyone that will provide relief or a solution. This is when your internet searches go crazy. You're trying to find some answer, something for what you're up against. This is where you can often face guilt shame or want to blame someone else then that leads to anger this is unfair why do I deserve this I don't deserve this you're frustrated you're impatient it feels like life is spinning out of control a fourth phase is anxiety and depression feelings because of what you're facing that it's hopeless it's exhausting there's intense grief What many often walk through is loss of self-identity and confusion. For so many, our identity is connected to what we do. And if our life is connected, our identity is connected to what we do, what happens when we can't do what we've always done the way we've always done it or we can't do it at all? If our identity is connected to what we do, if we lose what we do, it's not hard to see how we could really struggle with what is our self-identity. That's why God challenges us that our identity should not be first and foremost in what we do, our occupation, or even our role in our family. It's God's desire that first and foremost, foremost, our identity is in Christ, which will never change, will never change. We can reach a point then of reevaluation of life, of roles and goals. This is a place where we Admit the reality of what's happened and accept that there may be some limitations as life moves forward. And seventh is acceptance. It doesn't mean that you accept and are, uh, it doesn't mean that you're fine with what's happened, that you're happy about it, but it does mean you reach a point where the hardship integrates into daily life and you work around those limitations. Now, looking at this list, for some in this room, it's not theoretical, it's real. You're walking through it right now. You've been there or you are there. And what can be devastating is that there really is no guarantee that we would walk through all the phases of being in a long-term hardship. You see, some of us, maybe someone you know, maybe even you've been there where you get stuck around steps three, four, and five. There's a hardship, a diagnosis, a setback, an injury, a loss. And for years, decades, or a lifetime, you get trapped in anger. You get stuck in anxiety and depression. You never find new identity. And life is confusing. God does not want you to live stuck. God does not want you to live stuck. Something powerful happens when we reach number seven on this list. There's been a change. It's not what I expected. It's certainly not what I would have picked. But God, I trust that you do not want me sidelined for the rest of my life. So use me here. Reshape my purpose to your will. Now, this is not to say that God cannot intervene or supernaturally or miraculously reverse the situation because 
By the way, God is still in the business of working miracles. So it's not either or, it's not either a miracle or I'm stuck with this. There's times when God allows extended difficulty. There's times when God changes the situation miraculously. Even Paul, the great Paul, what does he describe? A thorn. A thorn in his flesh or a thorn in his side that he just can't get rid of. Now, it's really interesting because there's all kinds of speculation about what that thorn is, and no one knows for sure. If God wanted us to know for sure what it is, he would have put it in the Bible. But I love the guesses. So when Paul writes about the thorn in his side, some people think it's an illness, maybe malaria. Some people think it's a disability. Some people think it's a temptation that Paul just couldn't quite shake. And I like this idea. Some people think that the thorn in Paul's side that he just cannot get rid of is a really difficult person that he cannot shake. (laughs) Ever have one of those? (laughs) God can work through our hardships. I like what teacher Michael DeFazio says, our hardships contribute to the ongoing advancement of his, God's kingdom. Through this lens, hardship becomes joy. Maybe you've seen someone in your life who they have gone through the most difficult of difficult situations. Their life, because of something that has happened to them, it's turned upside down. And you cannot figure out why is that person so darn happy after what they've gone through. How is it possible? If our hardships, if we understand that it's possible that our hardships, like being thrown in prison in the Roman equivalent of solitary confinement, if it's possible that our hardships can contribute to the ongoing advancement of God's kingdom, it's through this lens that hardships can actually bring us joy. Maybe it's your prayer today. Father, Paul wrote about a thorn in his flesh that he couldn't get rid of. Paul was incarcerated for a long time, but you used him. God, you know my setbacks. You know the difficulty. I know you still want to use me. Father, show me your way forward. In all of this, what we see is that if you are going to live out your purpose, if I'm going to live out my God-given Jesus-following calling, we can expect that there are going to be hardships along that lifetime journey and that God may want to use that hardship as a compass, not an obstacle. You don't have to go looking for the hardship. It will probably find you. But what you may initially see as an obstacle, God may be using or allowing as a compass to show you a different way. Look at verse five. Walk in wisdom, Paul writes, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Paul has prayed for open doors. He wants to know the word so that he can speak it clearly. Now Paul writes about walking in wisdom to those who don't yet know the hope of Jesus Christ. Make the best use of your time, Paul writes. Christ followers become more effective gospel messengers when interactions with the spiritually lost are appreciated as valuable and limited. When I read this this week, there was a major check in my spirit. How many times have I thought there's going to be another chance? 
how many times have I reached the conclusion in my mind, if I don't share the hope of Christ, surely someone else will share the hope of Christ. Here's Paul. Of all the things that he could have been thirsting for in his prison setting, what Paul is thirsting for is, Father, give me one more chance to share the message of hope with someone who does not yet know the peace of God through Jesus Christ. Father, if I could have one thing in the whole world, bring another lost person across my path, even though I'm possibly in this prison cell and the only way out is this hole above my head. Father, bring someone who works in the prison across that hole and give me the opportunity to share the hope of Jesus Christ with them. We already asked the question, where is our desire to pray? And the challenge now is where is our desire to interact with lost people? If our hearts are going to be anything like Paul's heart, and church, if this is a challenge for you, it's a challenge for me. Where is our desire where we would thirst for interactions with spiritually lost people in the way that Paul thirsted for those interactions? Verse 6. Let your speech Always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. Seasoned with salt. What a great, timeless illustration, because we all understand flavoring. We all have different tastes. Some of you, you are at a restaurant, and you get served something, and before you even take one bite, you grab that salt shaker. Other times you get served something and it's supposed to be salty, it's supposed to be savory, and you take a bite and you're like, did you even put it, did you forget the salt? There are also times when you get served something and you take one bite and it's so salty that it's unappetizing. The right amount of salt, the right amount of salt enhances and adds flavor. So as followers of Christ, there should be enough spiritual seizing in our conversation that people can tell that we're there as a follower of Christ. But Paul also challenges us, don't be so overbearing that people want nothing to do with you. (laughs) I like the fire Bible note on this verse that says in part, our conversations should be like spiritual salt, giving people a thirst and an appetite for God. Our conversations should be like spiritual salt, giving people a thirst and an appetite for God. I know that there are some among us, you don't like junk food. You are committed to healthy eating, clean eating. God bless you. Could you just like, just for a second, just check out. I want to talk to those of us who enjoy the occasional junk food, the occasional salty snack. On the count of three, I would just like you to shout out your favorite salty snack junk food. Okay? One, two, three. Takis. Jennifer said amen. My weakness is Doritos. I, I see the Doritos, and I don't even really want the Doritos. But they're there. So I have just one. Then what happens? I still don't really want the Doritos, but I have one more, and one more, and one more, and one more. Do you know that the companies that make salty snacks 
they pour a lot of research into craveability. And what this means is putting just enough flavor into the snack that you enjoy the snack, but leaving a space that you want more, that you're not fulfilled. This is on purpose. That's why you eat the whole bag of Doritos when you didn't even want one to begin with. Our conversations should be like spiritual salt giving those who are around us a thirst and an appetite for God. So what today, if we put this all together, what does it take to live on mission? What does it take to live out our God-given purpose? If you're going to go after it, if you're going to keep going after it, persistent prayer, studying the Bible to share it with others, adapting to adversity, and words backed by actions, these are essential to pursuing purpose. Now maybe you'd be here today and you would say, you know what? I understand how that may work for some people. And maybe you'd say, I look at my life and I've actually experienced a great amount of success and I've never or rarely prayed. I've experienced a great amount of success without getting close to the Bible. I've experienced a great amount of success and I've never had to adjust my life to adversity. Maybe you've experienced a great deal of success and you really haven't had to match your actions to your words that closely. If that resonates at all with you, then it's possible that God is calling you to a greater purpose. And this is actually exciting. If you, if you have been able to accomplish great things, even great things for God, without much prayer, Bible study, or overcoming adversity, Imagine what you could accomplish if you were to now add to that these great spiritual disciplines. God has a greater purpose for you. God has a higher purpose. Persistent prayer. Studying the Bible to share it with others. Adapting to adversity. Words backed by action. Maybe this last Sunday of the month here, you come in and you're overwhelmed. Maybe you've been going after your God-given purpose and you have not experienced the results that you think you should have experienced by now. Maybe you sense deep down inside that God is calling you, challenging you, pushing you to take a step of faith. And for whatever reason, you've held back from taking that step of faith and it could be linked to a fear of failure. Maybe you're here today and you're heavy inside because there's been a bad decision. And as much as we would like to point there, 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 we know that it's actually our bad decision Thank God that he can use us even after we make a bad decision. (laughs) Thank God that he can still use us even after we made a thousand bad decisions. It's possible that you have some critical or unhealthy influencers speaking into your life. 
These are people that you, you've shared your God-given purpose. You've shared a God-sized dream. You've shared calling with them. And every time you speak up about it, they shoot it down. And they tell you all the reasons why it won't work. They tell you all the reasons that it's not possible. And we're not saying that you necessarily need to break off entire relationship with that person. But if someone is continuously bringing you down in what God has called you to do, you may need to put some guardrails around your life and bring in some people who are gonna encourage you and pray for you to go after the purpose and the calling that God has given you. It's possible that you're here and you'd say, I'm, I'm stuck in procrastination. There's been a, a dream, a calling, a purpose that God has been stirring and shaping in your soul for years or even decades. And you might say, I've become very good at coming up with reasons why not to take this step. I've become very good at coming up with, well, I'm gonna do this first. I want this to be in place first. I wanna earn this much. I wanna have this, I wanna have this much debt gone. And so whatever reason you've held back from taking this step. And this could be the day that God is saying, procrastinate, procrastinate no more. Take the step, take the step. Do you know the opposite of faith is having all the answers? That step of faith that God has been challenging you to take, now is the time. Persistent prayer, studying the word to share it with others, adapting to adversity, backing your words with actions. Through Paul's letter to to the Colossians, this is what we see that will be essential to living out our calling. You can get back to this. You can get back to this. You can start down this path. Make your life count by, by pursuing God, becoming more like Christ, loving people, and using your abilities for good. Do you know what is actually really, really exciting to think about? It's possible that the greatest thing that God wants to accomplish in you and through you in your lifetime could happen this week. It's possible that of all the weeks in your entire lifetime, the greatest thing, it's possible that the greatest, I don't know what it is, but it's possible that the greatest thing that God wants to do in you and through you in your entire lifetime could happen this week. <laughs> and if your prayer is anything like mine, you're saying, God, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. I want to be in steadfast prayer. I want to be willing to adapt to adversity. I want to be in your word. I want to be praying so that I'm alert so that if this is the week, if this is the week 
of all the weeks in my life that this would be the week that God would do the greatest act in me and through me in my lifetime. I don't want to miss it. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.